Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me. In the presence of my... Yeah, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The world could spare many a large book better than this sunny little psalm. It has dried many tears and supplied the mould into which many hearts have poured their peaceful faith. But as we come to this psalm this morning, I'm very aware of, of two things. The first is that most of you can probably quote this psalm off by heart. You know it well. And so as soon as we come and uh, try and preach from this psalm, inevitably I'm going to miss out your favourite bit. And uh, so in advance, I do apologise for that. You've probably heard many sermons on this psalm as well. But equally, I'm very aware that for some of you, you have a knowledge of this psalm that can never be conveyed simply through a sermon. Some of you have lived this psalm. Some of you know what it is to to cry through this psalm. You know what it is to be broken and in prayer to read or to sing or to pray the words of this psalm before the Lord. And I can, I can never convey that experience to you this morning. And you might feel like I'm just wandering with my muddy boots through your, your lovely lounge with its cream carpet as your, ex, your experience of this psalm is so precious to you. So again, in advance, I, I apologise and I pray that you'll forgive me But nevertheless, uh, together, we ask that God will help us and teach us uh, from his word uh, here uh, today. Now, our theme this weekend, as you know, is this, real life in real time with a real God. And my great burden this morning is to emphasize to you that we must learn, we need to learn to depend and to rely completely on the Lord. We need to learn this great lesson of complete trust in Him for all things, for everything. We're taught today, aren't we, whether in school or elsewhere, that you can do anything if you put your mind to it. If you put in the effort, if you put in the time, you can do anything. But what did Jesus say? He said, for without me, you can do nothing. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. And as we look at this psalm uh, today, I want us to learn that great lesson. That whatever we do, whatever we say, whatever experience we have, We must learn to trust 
and rely and depend upon the Lord completely. Now this psalm is a, it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. And it's such a masterpiece that really the message here is contained uh, completely really in verse 1. It's contained in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so I haven't got a PowerPoint this morning because uh, maybe I think in words, Ross thinks in pictures, uh, but really the headings are right in front of you. The first heading is this, the Lord is my shepherd, and the second will be, I shall not want. That's where we're going this morning. Now let me ask you a question. Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? I wonder if I was to ask you this question then. In what year uh, were the first league football matches played on a Sunday? Which year were the first league football matches played on a Sunday? For some of you, it would be surprising, this answer. Someone must know. Someone must know. Vinny must know. The fount of all football knowledge. Well, I'll tell you, 1974, 1974, and there was a big hoo-ha about having professional football matches on a Sunday. We can hardly imagine it now, can we? Uh, But at the Premier League club nearest to me in West Bromwich, uh, apparently what happened was that there was such a kerfuffle about having this that they brought some hymn books to the stadium and they had a hymn book under their seat and they sang, The Lord's My Shepherd. I shall not want. And for every match day since, they sing, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. And so living in the West Midlands, you have this slightly odd experience of going around and suddenly you'll see a sticker on someone's car and it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And and they're West Brom supporters. And they're wandering around wearing a T-shirt saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And they're West Brom supporters. They sing it. They say the words. But you know, the sad truth is that for many of those people, the Lord is not their shepherd. I wonder, do you know that the Lord is your shepherd this morning? Now think for a moment of the the picture of this psalm. It's a simple picture, isn't it? It's a picture about the shepherd uh, and his sheep. My little boy Matthew is two and a half and he loves sheep. Every time he sees one, he says, bah, bah, which makes it a problem when we keep coming to Wales over the summer, all through the journey. Uh, but you, you could look out the window. I was looking out at, at breakfast time and on the hill there were the sheep, weren't they? Uh, there they were, dotted on the hillside. And just imagine for a moment uh, the shepherd. And the shepherd is there watching over uh, the sheep. He's looking out for them. And then perhaps he will... Uh, lead that flock to somewhere else to find food, to, f- to find water, to find shelter. That shepherd will be there protecting uh, his flock against wild animals. He'll be, he'll be taking note of them. Sometimes they would have to travel and uh, some might be unwell, uh, some might be pregnant, some might be injured. And if you were to push them hard on that journey, they would, they would die. So he would take care of them as he plans, as he... Uh, organises as they travel. And that shepherd would be there in all weathers. The shepherd would be out there in the rain, out there in the sunshine, 
out there in the frost. You can imagine the shepherd of old uh, living day by day for a period of time in their wet clothes. For that period of time, maybe cold. No doubt at times they'd be hungry. Uh, They would be thirsty. Maybe your bed on beach missions was uncomfortable this year, I don't know. But imagine the shepherd out there on the hills, on the hard ground, uh, sleeping night after night. Uncomfortable. Maybe too hot, maybe too cold. And imagine the company. Sheep. Imagine the good conversations you'd have with sheep. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) But think of those sheep. At times they're helpless. At times, could you, could you, is there sort of potential with a sheep to train it up, to look after itself all the time? Is there that potential you can look forward to? No, not with sheep. Never do it. They are sheep. And so it's no wonder that in ancient Israel, in many ancient cultures, the shepherd was considered one of the lowest of all the jobs that could be had. Who would choose to be a shepherd? Who would want that job? Who would have a career aspiration to be a shepherd in those days? And so as we come to Psalm 23... Do these words shock you? Or are they so familiar that we miss the point? What does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. Jehovah. The self-sufficient God. The one who doesn't need anybody. The one who doesn't need anything. Has humbled himself to be the shepherd of the sheep. It should shock us, it should jar us that this is the case. But look at it again. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. Who are the sheep that are pictured here in this psalm? Well, we could think of David, couldn't we? There was David, a man after God's own heart. Yes, but David who committed adultery. David the murderer. David who very nearly went into war against his own people. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Should it not shock us? Think about Jesus' disciples. What were they like? They were a motley crew, weren't they? Uh, So often they were full of misunderstanding. They got things wrong. They were arguing. Who, Who of us will be the greatest? When Jesus was there in Gethsemane, instead of praying, they slept. When it got tough, they forsook the Lord Jesus. Who are these sheep? They're people like me and people like you. Spiritually vulnerable, helpless, constantly going astray. Sometimes we sing, don't we, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And yet, just as David could say, the Lord is my shepherd, the wonderful but in a way shocking truth is that you and I can say, if we're Christians today, the Lord is my 
shepherd. But there's something else that shocks us here as well, or should do. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. One of the amazing things about this psalm is that there is no sign at all of any doubt. There's no fear. There's no anxiety. Nothing. He is confident. He is certain that God is his shepherd. Now let's ask the question then, how could David be so certain? How could he be so sure? Is it because he had such great faith? And when we think about this, sometimes perhaps we we think, wow, if only I had faith like David. If only I had faith like the Apostle Paul. If only I had faith like, insert Christian of your choice. If only I had their faith. But it's wrong thinking. Because the strength is not in our faith. The strength is in the one that we trust. The one that we trust. The Lord is my shepherd. In Psalm 70, it's a wonderful psalm about deliverance. And the psalmist there, he comes to wonderful faith. Not because he has been delivered by the Lord, but because the character of God is to be the deliverer. He doesn't need to look back at his life and say, the Lord delivered me, therefore I will be delivered. He says, the Lord is the deliverer, and therefore I can trust him. Whatever things look like, whatever, however things seem, because this is the Lord in whom my trust is, I am confident, I am firm, and my trust is in him. But think again for a second. Who is this psalm really referring to? In Exodus 3, Jehovah identifies himself by the name I am. I am. And in John's Gospel, there are at least eight times where Jesus refers to himself by the name I am. And most relevantly for our thoughts this morning, what does he say in John chapter 10? I am the good shepherd. Who is this psalm talking about? It's talking about the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And what does Jesus say in John chapter 10 that the good shepherd does? He says the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Notice it doesn't say the good shepherd had his life taken from him. The good shepherd voluntarily, willingly gave his life for the sheep. This is our saviour, is it not? The one who willingly humbled himself. The one who spoke and put the stars into space. Humbled himself even to the death of that cross. And that is where our faith must lie. Not in our faith, not in ourselves, but in Jesus Christ at the cross. That we trust in the one, the good shepherd, who gave his life for the sheep. Put it another way this morning. Have you ever thought that the Psalms have context? 
And they teach us something very, very precious. What is the context of Psalm 23? Well, it's Psalm 22, isn't it? That's obvious, isn't it? Psalm 22. Now, I don't want to steal thunder for tomorrow, but what is Psalm 22 all about? It's about the cross. It's about the cross. About the sufferings of the Saviour. And the precious thing is this, that for Jesus to be your shepherd, he first had to go to the cross. And he loved so much that he went and he died upon that cross to save your soul, to cleanse your sin, and to be your shepherd. To be your shepherd today, Jesus Christ had to go and suffer on that cross. He had to bear the very weight of your sin upon himself. He had to take the punishment for that sin upon himself. He had to bear the anger and the wrath of his own father on him so that he could be our shepherd. He had to be forsaken of his father to be your saviour, but to be your shepherd. To be your shepherd. There's an old chorus that says this. Why did he love me? I never can tell. Why did he suffer to save me from hell? Nothing but wonderful grace from above could have worked out such a story of love. You know, there's a great lesson for us here too. I asked you, is the Lord your shepherd? You know, just as Jesus had to go via the cross to be your shepherd, so if the Lord is to be your shepherd, you must go by the way of the cross. You start... And become a Christian by coming to that cross with real sorrow for your sin, confessing what you have done, feeling the weight and the awfulness of it, and coming to that cross and trusting that there alone can sins be dealt with and washed away. For our salvation, we must depend completely upon the Lord Jesus Christ, upon the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that today? But then look with me at the second part of this verse. The second part. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Or as was read earlier, very good. I shall lack nothing. Every Christmas we have a strange uh, habit uh, in our family. Well, it was the in-laws' fault, really, but nevertheless, um, it's, it's shifted towards us. And we do a jigsaw, a thousand-piece jigsaw, and it's the worst thing imaginable. <laughs> and I, but I still sit there for hours, and my neck hurts and my shoulder hurts. <sighs> Only 500 pieces to go. But sometimes what we do is we buy a second-hand jigsaw, um, from the charity shop, because they're a lot cheaper. Yeah. But there's a risk that it's not really a thousand piece <laughs> and that there's one missing. And last year, I think we found the piece in the end, they probably blame the children. But nevertheless, we got to the end and there was a space, there was a gap in the jigsaw. All that effort and there was still a hole left. A piece was missing from the jigsaw. What is this psalm saying? It's saying this, that if the Lord is your shepherd, there will be no pieces missing in your life. 
There will be no area of your life where you're lacking anything. No area where you are wanting. And it's obvious, isn't it? Because if the Lord is your shepherd, with all of his greatness and majesty and power and all that he has, of course, if the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. Now, what does this look like then? Does it mean we're all going to be millionaires? Uh, We're all going to be perfectly healthy? Some teach that, don't they? But that is not in the Bible, and it's certainly not in this psalm. Because here, the rest of this psalm then really explains to us what it means to not want. It tells us what we really need, not what we think we need, but what we really need. And we're going to look at uh, some of these this morning, we'll see how far we get. Now, the first we find in verse 2 is this. What is it that the shepherd gives us that we really need? And the first is this. We need peace. Peace. So much of modern life is about uh, motion, isn't it? It's about doing, it's about checking, it's about updating, it's about travelling, it's about listening, it's about watching. It's all motion, 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 motion. But where does this psalm start? It starts with, with rest, with peace. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still or the quiet waters, the waters of rest. Now I'm told that there are certain things that stop a sheep from lying down. And those things are fear, uh, there's friction, so if they're not getting on very well, flies, and the other, if you want an F, is famine. They're hungry. They stop a sheep from lying down. Who is it that can fulfill that need for those sheep? Who is it that can take them to pastures where they can feed? Who is it that can take them away from those those flies and those difficulties? Who is it that reassures them so that fear is taken away? Well, it's the shepherd, is it not? It's the shepherd. And so the same it is with us, that the shepherd, only the shepherd, can give peace and calm and rest to our souls. Maybe you know the story of George Whitfield. Before he was a Christian, he was so diligent to get himself right with God. He even went without food. He went without vegetables. He had weak tea, his biography tells us, with uh, one sugar or something to keep him going. And he made himself sick. He made himself ill. The doctor had to come. He, went, he had to stay in bed for six weeks. He was so ill because he was trying to get peace with God. And eventually he came to the end of himself and he simply put his trust completely in the Lord Jesus Christ and he found peace, peace with God. And that's what happens when we become a Christian. But it needs to be an ongoing principle in our life that we come to the shepherd for peace and for calm. Mary chose the best thing, didn't she, when she sat at the feet of Jesus. She chose the best thing. Martha did well with her serving. But Mary chose the best, sitting at the feet of Jesus. I wonder what about you? This psalm starts with rest. 
So easily the Christian life can be busy, 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 doing, doing, doing. Next meeting, next service, next mission. Do we stop? Do we rest in the shepherd? Do we spend that time day by day with him? You look back at some of the the great men of old and they thought nothing of two hours in prayer, a morning in prayer, a day in prayer. What about us? Do we start with that key of resting in the shepherd? We need him. Only he will do to supply our every need. It's verse 2, peace. The second verse 3, we need, this is what we really need. We need purity. Purity. Here it says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In 1 John chapter 3, it talks about what a wonderful thing it is to be able to say, I am a child of God, that he loved me so much that he made me his child. And then it says this, everyone who has this hope within them purifies himself just as he is pure. The Christian life is a life of progress towards being more and more like the shepherd, like the saviour, like the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, are you making progress in that area? Are you making progress in holiness, in purity? I wonder how many times have you fallen and tripped up in that progress? Apparently there's such a thing as a a cast sheep. And a a sheep, apparently, if if it lies down for a bit and especially if it's a fat sheep, um, apparently, uh, and there's a little hollow, it can just sort of roll over onto its back and it gets stuck. And it gets stuck with its legs in the air and, of course, it panics and it wiggles its legs around in the air and as it panics, it gets more and more tired as it, it wiggles around. Some of you are laughing. The poor sheep! Okay, And there's, there's gas building up inside and apparently the sheep can die within hours. If this happens, equally that sheep stuck on its back is, is vulnerable, isn't it? It's vulnerable to any kind of predator that would come. It's helpless, it's vulnerable. What is needed for that sheep that has fallen? They need the shepherd. They need the shepherd. They need the shepherd to come and to turn them back the right way out. They need the shepherd to come and restore them. They need the shepherd to be watching and to notice that the birds of prey are circling round in the sky. They need the shepherd. And of course, the good shepherd, he comes and he turns them the right way up. He helps them get back on their feet. He keeps them from wobbling over again and waits until they're back within the flock. Isn't this what the good shepherd does? When we fall, he restores our soul. But what else does he do? Well, he leads us in the paths of righteousness. The paths of righteousness. Jesus says to us, doesn't he? He says, follow me. And whatever he asks us to do, the precious thing is this, that he didn't, isn't sitting in some room somewhere saying, do this, do that, do the other. Jesus says, follow me. And wherever he calls us in life, he has been there before. Whatever hardship it is, he's been through it before. Whatever temptation, he's been there before. And he says, follow. 
follow me. I wonder, are you following? Are you following close to the shepherd? We could say more, my time uh, is going, my time is gone. Verse 4, protection, protection. These words are so well known, aren't they? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. Imagine those sheep on that narrow path through that valley. There's rocks either side. It's dark. The sheep uh, may feel frightened. There could be a wild animal ready to jump out. They could trip off the path. They could fall. But what a comfort that the shepherd is with them. And so it is that whatever path the Lord calls us to follow, we can know this, that he goes with us. He goes with us. And so we need not fear evil because the shepherd is there, is there. But then verse 5, we could say so much more on these things, like Ross said, encourage you to meditate more on these verses. Verse 5, provision, provision. Now this really in verse 5 is what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6, where he said, don't worry about where your food's coming from and where your clothes are coming from because your Father in heaven knows that you need all these things. He'll provide your material needs. He will provide these things for you. He is the good shepherd. He knows what you need and he will provide. But let me just challenge you with something that's been on my heart with this verse. We live in a day, don't we, of materialism. We live in a day that has so much, is so rich, and yet we want more. Isn't that true? Isn't that the society we live in? Now get this verse again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the primary meaning is that we will not lack anything. But tell me this. If the Lord is your shepherd and you lack nothing, are you still coveting? Are you still wanting more? If you say the Lord is your shepherd, you say, I shall not want. One of God's ten commands is that we shall not covet. We shall not desire what is not ours. I wonder, has the culture of materialism worn off onto you, worn off onto me, that we want and we want and we want and we want? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do we have that contentment in our life? Much more could be said. But let me finish with verse 6. A prepared place. A prepared place. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Now we said, didn't we, that the context of Psalm 23 is Psalm 22. We've all learnt something this morning. But what else is the context of Psalm 23? Well, it's Psalm 24, isn't it? That comes afterwards. And what is Psalm 24 all about? Well, it's about the King of Glory. The King of Glory coming into the holy hill of the Lord. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ who went to that cross, who became the shepherd and who is now crowned with glory forever, forever. 
Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. My friend, today, if you started at the cross, you can know that the Lord is your shepherd. And if you know that the Lord is your shepherd, you know that he has gone to prepare a place for you in glory. You'll know what it is in life to know goodness and mercy following you. And you'll know what it is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A prepared place. A prepared place. Is this not the best news in the whole world? When I went on beach missions with Tim two years ago, he often says, can anyone show me better news than this in the world? And like a good younger man, I copied him. And I've been saying it ever since. And no one's come to me. And I don't think anyone's come to Tim, have they? What better news is there in the world than this? But notice how the psalm begins and how it ends. It begins with the Lord. And it ends in the house of the Lord. I wonder, let me say to you again. Where is your trust? Where is your dependence? Could you sum up your whole Christian life by saying it's all about the Lord? He is the centre. He is my all. He is my everything. Sometimes we get caught up with the trappings of the Christian life. Identify ourselves by what church we go to, what we sing, by what time in the morning we have our quiet time. These things, they're good in themselves. But is our life about the Lord? Is he our everything? And are we giving our all for him? Is our life fully on the altar for him? Are we like the sheep wandering off on our own over the hill thinking we know best and saying, oh, the Lord is my shepherd. Where is he? I don't really know. He's probably on some hill somewhere. Or are you following hard after the shepherd? Close to him day by day. Wholly trusting him. Fully loving him. Totally depending on him for everything. Can you truly say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have not and I do not and I shall not want. Let's pray.